Thank you, Steve. Steve even came out to Cars and Coffee yesterday. How many of you came out to Cars and Coffee? I know the prayer team was out there. Kitchen team was out there. I mean, some of you brought cars, maybe. Uh, if you didn't, it was cold, but you missed a great one. I mean, it starts at 8, and at 7.30, there were four Skylines. Those of you who know what a Nissan Skyline were parked over in the side parking lot. So I don't know. I know some of you guys are a little disappointed. You weren't here, almost texted. But, I mean, you made up for it with the Go Jesus, It's Your Birthday I mean, you know, that, if you can wear that to church, God bless you, I love it. I need my one my size, so. Um, but it was, it was great cars and coffee. Uh, some Ferrari club showed up, and those of you know, I, I love cars. And uh, a lot of folks had great conversations. That's what we do that for. It's an outreach uh, that you can get some small conversations going about church, about your faith, and hopefully plant some seeds that you'll find uh, God cultivating a relationship in someone's life for his son Jesus. So, in any event, thank you for those who participated. The other thing I got to tell you before we go any further is a dear friend of mine showed up. Uh, he is a fellow traveler. Uh, Dr. Melvin Antonio and his wife showed up. Uh, we traveled uh, the world, I guess Thailand, Australia, Korea together. He will eat anything that, on any cuisine, not afraid of it. Uh, being the doctor, I guess he could care for himself. But uh, the only story I'll tell on him, and then I got to start, and the messenger, you'll go, when is he going to ever stop? Um, we were John Blair, which was my mentor in the chaplaincy, um, and Dr. Antonio, they were in the front, no, they were in the, John may have been in the, the passenger seat. They had me driving in Germany, and I had been stationed in England before, but we'd flown from San Antonio to Germany, so you're tired, and we're going to, I think, Bad Eibling, someplace that I had never been. I'd been to Ramstein. I'd been to some of the other bases, you know, Frankfurt, you know, those kind of things. But I had not gone to this place. And Doc is in the back with food. He always had food. I think he had, like, some summer sausage or something. He's cutting some sausage, eating some crackers, you know, because you need that on a plane. And he's eating something. Next thing I know, he's about asleep. John is already asleep. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm going fast. I'm on the Audubon. I'm having a great time. And, and the doc kind of comes to for a second and says, hey, you know, and these are two colonels. I'm a major, so you know, I'm pretty intimidated already. Hey, I said, what, what, am I going too fast? He goes, no. You come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> so for like the next hour and a half, I have no idea what to do. But I have remembered that so long, and I've used that with many people in their uh, quandaries of life. If you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yeah. Thank you for being here today, Doc, and your bride as well. Um, so this morning, uh, those of you who are here uh, first time, or as you know, we uh, may not know, we started through the book Gospel of John at the beginning of this year. And uh, intentionally have uh, stayed with the Gospel of John even in this Christmas season. Now, Pierce will preach next week, and I told him, you got to preach the Christmas message on Christmas Day. So, uh, to try to bring in Christmas in John, who doesn't even have a birth account, is a little bit difficult, but uh, bear with me as I want you right now to think about your Christmas shopping. How many of you are completely done already? All the shopping is over with. Some of you were finished in September or August. Some of you, some of you just give money, and it's really easy. How about... When it comes to wrapping, how many of you have got the gifts wrapped already? Wow, you guys are amazing. We haven't wrapped a thing. Um, but I will tell you this, present wrapping is a dying art. I mean, I asked my wife, when, when she's younger than I am, many, many years younger than I am, 
not really, but we like to say that. Um, at least 20 years younger than I am. <laughs> and, uh, when you were growing up, did you have those bags, those Christmas bags? You know, you just put the gift in a bag. There weren't, those were not around. I mean, it, nobody had those. And, and, you know, the tissue paper, paper you went in there, may, maybe they had that. I, I don't know if tissue paper might have been around. Uh, I guess it probably was. I'm thinking about gift wrapping. Because when I was in high school, I worked in a men's clothing store, and we had these gigantic rolls of wrapping paper that actually had a blade. When you pulled it off, it cut it, and it had these big rolls of, of uh, tape and big rolls of ribbon. And you, I mean, you could really, I mean, me wrapping them, you didn't want me to do it. You wanted the one lady who worked in the store to wrap your gift because it looked like a, you know, a junior in high school or a senior. I worked there for two years. I got a little better, but it was an art form, and I think we have somewhat uh, seeing that go away with conveniences of uh, wrapping. Um, I can remember, my mom may not, but uh, my dad one time, we ran out of wrapping paper. He said, well, get the comics. And we got the Sunday comics and wrapped the paper with the colored, because, you know, comics sometimes in the day-to-day -day paper were black and white, but with the colored comics uh, from the Sunday paper, and I think now, man, that was some love. That, that's really, that's a precious gift. Um, and as a parent, I know that kids sometimes will have more fun playing with the wrapping paper than what's inside. They, they, might, they might like the box better than the contents of the box. In fact, I know I've had countless sword fights with the roll, the cardboard roll that comes inside the wrapping paper. Better than any other gift that's under the tree, you've got to be able to get to fight with that. Or, or I mean, these days, it's, it's the Amazon box that comes with all those packing air things, you know, popping those and, you know, sound like a war is going off in your house. But sometimes the contents of the Christmas box can be disappointing for some children. So let's just catch a little clip of this. Christmas presents are exciting. Do you remember what you'd say is the best gift you've ever received at Christmas? I asked my kids this question, and here's what they said. My six-year-old loved her little talkie doll that could talk, blink, and not much else. Cost a whopping $110 after tax, and it lasted for a solid eight months before it found its way to the back of her closet. My nine-year-old said his favorite was the popular fantasy book series, six books in all, each getting progressively longer. The set cost $58 and lasted eight weeks before it lived its final dust-filled existence on a shelf. Now my tween loved the Brainy Putty collection that cost $32 and lasted a measly eight days before it went to live in our carpet. Finally, my teenage son wanted the ultimate drone with a 4K camera. It cost the most and lasted the shortest amount of time. I'd like to say it lasted eight minutes, but no, it was eight seconds, which is only impressive in bull riding. As exciting as those gifts are, what if there was a gift at Christmas that was far better? In fact, so much better that it makes these look like, well, toys. What if this gift was worth so much that no one could buy it for you, nor could you afford it? What if it was something of extreme value, like, say, life itself? And what if this gift was given through the birth of a baby who became our paid-in full? 
That's the gift offered to all. It costs us nothing, him everything. It lasts just a bit longer than eight seconds, eight days, eight weeks, or even eight months. It lasts forever. So here we are today, one week away from Christmas, and as we uh, return to John 8, that's how far we have gotten in the past year, I can't help but see the greatest gift, that Christmas box, if you will, that came as the message of my Savior. Jesus tells everyone who he is and why he came. And in these final verses, this last part of chapter 8 that we'll look at today, they still wouldn't receive the gift. They were disappointed. In fact, they were beyond disappointed or disapproving. They wanted blood. In these verses that I'll read for you in just a few minutes, Jesus is at the end of his oral defense of who he is that began in the first verses of chapter 8 when they brought a woman caught in the midst of adultery and tried to trap him there. And he continues to say over and over, you guys are not getting it. In fact, last week he basically tells them that they are not God's children, they are children of the devil. Their actions, their deeds have shown that they're evil and they want murder over life. So here in these verses, he reveals himself in such a way that they're so incited once again that he either has to be mad or, or demon-possessed. And we'll conclude these last verses where they really want to kill him and stone him. So here we go at uh, chapter 8, verse 48, through the end of the chapter. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan? This is a retort to what happened last week. You know, you think we're of the devil. You must be a Samaritan and demon-possessed. Jesus says, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. That song, your second song, over and over, he gives life. I mean, Christmas message right here in John 8. So I know you've got to look for it, but there's no baby here, but we've got the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. He gives life. Wow. He will never see death. Verse 52. At this the Jews exclaimed, now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. 
You're not even yet 50 years old. And that's some insight. You know, there are some commentators. Let me stop for just a second right there. You know, Luke mentions that Jesus was over 30 when he began his, somewhere around 30 when he began his ministry. So most people think Jesus was probably 33 years old when he died. And some have said at this point is that taking a quick look at him, he looked older. Maybe the journey of his life had aged him. Whatever. They're making a quick statement. Hey, you're not even 50 years old. And... Abraham died a whole long time before you were around, so how could you have known him? He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, and there's that Greek ego, I me, I am. If you doubted what he was saying about himself in the earlier times when he said, I am, in chapter 8, he has finally said it to them and to their face, I am. The same I am that Moses t was told when you go into Egypt, who shall I say send him? I am. He is identifying with who he is, who the Father is. He's back to John 1.1. 1, 1. He's tying all this together. And at this, they pick up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at some familiar words, and yet some of the words we perhaps haven't heard many sermons from, Helping it to see, for us to see this Christmas gift, this life-altering, life-changing, and everlasting forever gift that your Son has extended to us if we we'll truly believe in Him. Speak to the hearts, the minds of these who are here today. And this I pray in the name of Jesus your son, our savior. Amen. Well, here's one of those Christmas boxes that I mentioned earlier. It is a time saver. You know, you can have the bags that are decorated. These are like pre-wrapped. You just put your present in there. I didn't show you what was inside yet. I hope not. Uh, this one even has a little tag on it. Um, these are Dollar Tree. Those of you who need to go, you know, go shop one, whatever. But have you ever opened the wrong gift at Christmas because it either had the wrong name tag on it, it, it fell off, or you simply failed to, and our first point is, read the name tag? What is typically on a name tag? Who it's to and who it's from. Look at verse 55. Here I'm trying, I'm work, work with me here, guys, you know, I'm getting Christmas out of John 8. Who it's to, verse 55, he says, oh, it's not 55, I'm, I'm in the wrong verse. Um, it's 51, I think, yeah. If I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, if anyone, it doesn't matter your nationality, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your name, it doesn't matter what side of town you're from, he says, if anyone keeps my word, and, and just like this, this gift card is blank, so you could actually write it on there to Cliff, or to Joe, or, or, or to Jane, or whoever you want. Jesus is saying, if any one of you will truly believe in me, the gift you will receive will be forever. So, let me back up just a little bit, because sometimes you get ahead and you got to look at these verses some more. You go, Cliff is not going to preach all these verses. Well, yeah, I'm going to try to. He said, when he first gets this statement, you must be a Samaritan, that is a 
insult beyond, if, if I said something here in a conversation at a coffee shop here in the Lotus, they might, they might say, you must be a Yankee. You're not from around here, are you? And, and I wasn't. I'm not. I, I grew up north. But that wouldn't be the insult of this level. This is an insult like saying, you must be a terrorist. I mean, it, it's that, it is that inflammatory. They are insulting his nationality. They are insulting his faith. Because the Samaritans, you remember, remember he met the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. You remember, he... He has dealt with them before, and we have dealt with them a little bit in some of the sermons, but what, what he is trying to say is, or what they're trying to say to him, Samaritans accepted the law, but they didn't follow it like conservative Jews did. So in other words, you might agree with some of our stuff, but you're off on a tangent. And Jesus, interestingly enough, does not even address that in a few minutes. He addresses the part where they say, you must be demon-possessed. And why they say that is for any Jew to tell another Jew or challenge another Jew of their heritage and who they may not be from the father Abraham, it means you've got to be of the devil. So they are giving him like two major smackdowns, if you will, in the world of insults to one another. Demon-possessed. Jesus says, no, I'm not. In fact, you dishonor me. I only come to honor the Father. In fact, he says, the glory, let me read that, because this is one that sometimes we'll get hung up on. Verse 50, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Who is Jesus talking about there? He's talking about the Father. And I think it's interesting that many times even faithful followers like you and I don't think that God is seeking glory. Well, he, he's the source of it, right? Well, hold that thought and we'll come back. And, and I'm not arguing that. I mean, I, I agree. But hold that because sometimes your minds, if, you're, if your mind is anything like mine, which I hope it's not, but actually I do think, I, I try to preach to myself because I think you have, might have the, the same questions. Well, why would God want me to give him glory? If he is the source of glory, I'll just skip to the answer. Because if you glorify anything else, you have diminished his glory. He is glory. And that by serving him, he will let your, his glory radiate through you. In fact, Jesus says in these verses, I am glorified by the Father. So he does seek our glory. So anyway, uh, back to uh, Christmas. As a kid... Did you ever, well, first off, how many of you have presents already under your tree? Some of you do. Some of you don't have little children anymore at the house. Or if you do, you might remember, did you ever go underneath the tree and check the to and from labels on them? Yeah. Do you see the big one that was maybe marked for you? Pick it up, give it a little shake. Maybe the tape seems to be a little bit loose right there. Anybody ever do that? Or maybe you, you sneak around the house. You look in the closet. You look underneath the bed because you know mom and dad have surely got you something. I mean, Santa might be bringing something, but mom and dad have got you something somewhere. They've got it squirreled away, so you are on an expedition to find it. You ever been like that? I would like to say I never did, but I won't lie. And I will tell you, the only times that I found anything or actually pulled the tape off, 
I was so ashamed after it happened that any excitement of opening the gift finally was extinguished. My joy was like gone because I'd spoiled the, spoiled the surprise. And I think it's that way when you seek glory for yourself. Some of you go, oh, well, I don't mind opening up a present early. <laughs> no. When you seek to glorify yourself instead of the Father, you will only disappoint, you will only disobey, and you will only destroy what God has intended for you. He wants you to glorify Him and then let Him glorify through you. Jesus goes on to say, it is God who glorifies him, and his glory radiates through him. Today, I can see it radiating through you in the different things that you do for your children, for this church. We had an appeal for a family that only one person in our congregation had met, and we sent a, a little appeal out to say, hey, here's a lady who needs some help, and you should see the presents that are back there underneath that Christmas tree, because people want to help other people. And that's God radiating through you. So don't take any glory if you brought the gift. The glory goes to God. Now, if you could pick up the name tag on your Christmas box, from these verses it would read, to you from God. Very good. Somebody's paying attention. Somebody's still awake. Holy cow, is Cliff ever going to get done? The Pharisees couldn't comprehend the gift of life that Jesus was offering. They started a debate about Abraham and how Abraham has died before Jesus was ever around. And, you know, obviously it was a big insult to say they weren't children of Abraham, they were children of the devil. But Jesus reveals to them that Abraham had rejoiced when he saw his day. And when he saw it, he was glad. Look at verse 56, I think that is. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, there are at least three major approaches that commentators write volumes upon. Let me just summarize them quickly like this. Some commentators think it's a reference to Genesis 15, when God reveals the future, if you will, to Abraham and how you know, his generations will multiply. And some commentators say this is Abraham understanding all the way to the messianic promise being, you know, coming in Jesus. Some say it is an awakening that, that Abraham had when he was faithful and almost, well, he was ready to offer his son as a sacrifice, and God provided, and the atonement was given there that he was ready to drop, and he was giving him insight that his son, God's son, Jesus, would come someday and provide that for all. And some say that Abraham was already in heaven, and he saw what was going on on earth and was rejoicing with the Father right there that the Son was doing his ministry. And as I often answer on many of these theological debates, yes, yes, and yes. Abraham rejoiced because that's what the Word said. How you want to parse it out, I, I can accept all three of those. But the real kicker is when he says, Verse 58, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. As I said in verses 24 and 28 of this same chapter, he has used that phraseology. He has said, I am. 
And some, some commentators doubt that he's exactly trying to say that I am the Holy One. He's just another way of saying uh, I am the person you're talking about. But no, here he is implying his deity, and they understood it to the point that it caused them want, wanting to, to murder him. You know, the I am statement is in Isaiah, and I could look up these for you if you wanted. Isaiah 41, he, he has been talking about, the prophet has been talking about God will do all these things and has done all these things, and he says, I am he. I think that's chapter 41 and 43. I've read Psalm 90 so many times at funerals because it talks about numbering your days. You know, you rise up at grass in the morning. But the very beginning of that, uh, David writes, Lord, you were, before the mountains were formed and the world began, it actually says you were, but I am. He's implying once again, before ever, you were there. The I am was there. And Jesus is identifying with that I am. Therefore, he would have that understanding of who Abraham was. So, he's giving you a gift. Your name is on it. It's from God. And what must you do with the gift? What do you do when you get a gift? Put it on a shelf? Yeah, some of you will just like re-gift it. Yeah. Oh, Cliff, why don't you give me that box? It's not written on and, you know, you, I can use it to somebody else. And I'm sure some of you have been disappointed with a gift. Uh, you know, you, so that's our second point. Uh, open it. So there, there we go. There's probably no more excitement than a good uh, staff Christmas party that has a white elephant gift exchange. I mean, I don't really like them because undoubtedly I get a gift that I think I would like, and it never comes back to me. You know, I, you feel bad opening it up first. Uh, I remember one time in the Air Force, first assignment here uh, back in the 80s, um, I don't think we had had a child yet, maybe we had, but I got a set of, maybe we had had Tull, maybe Tull was a baby, but we, he wasn't walking in you know, the toddler stage yet, but I got a toy set of golf clubs, you know, plastic golf clubs, a little plastic ball, you know, and I think, hey man, you know, I can't use it, and, you know, Doc would have enjoyed it, every place we went, Doc carried golf clubs with him, <laughs> but I thought, I'll, I'll get that. And some lady took it from me right at the very end. And I got mad. I mean, you know, take my golf clubs. And what I ended up with was a little can, a, a tin, that my sister would like. She collects tins. And I opened the tin, and it had to come. You remember Spencer's gifts? I don't know if they're still around. They were in the mall, Spencer's. You know, they had all kinds of weird gifts. I opened it up, and in it are fishnet hose and a whip. <laughs> you think that's funny? What's funnier is giving it to your mom when you go home to Illinois for Christmas, and she opens it. Yeah. So, you know, I, those things, well, here's some other ones. Go ahead and play this little clip. Last week, uh, I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to put, pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were gonna let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents and a lot of the kids surprisingly reacted poorly to that. What is it? 
old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Pushing that. Oh, okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. The gift that we receive that is given to anyone from God himself is the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus. Back to verse 51. It doesn't hurt to read them over and over. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. That is the greatest gift ever. Forgiveness, redemption, and life everlasting all rolled up in faith in Jesus if you'll simply believe. But we become like those spoiled children. And granted, I don't know if you call that a spoiled child. That's really, <laughs> he's done that multiple years. And they're, they're, they're lengthy. And, and some are <laughs> really sad. <laughs> the, the rest of that one, and I tried to keep it short. Somebody gave one of the kids a half-eaten sandwich. <laughs> and the little girl started eating it. <laughs> and I thought, well, at least they trained her right. You know, she's not going to waste food. I don't know. But we become like spoiled children. We, we toss him aside. We, we play with the wrapping paper. We play with the box. And that could be considered, I mean, if you want to get on this on an illustrative way with a preacher's mindset, we play with church. But we haven't really experienced the faith, the strength of knowing who Jesus is. We say, he's not what I want or what I need, but he is. If anyone will believe and trust in him. The Pharisees heard his words, and immediately they tried to stone him. And it wasn't the first time they had tried to kill him before. How, whether he got away uh, with divine or just a... a quick foot. We don't know. Uh, you know. He's both fully God, fully man. I don't, I don't know. But when I think about someone trying to stone the Savior, and I am not a St. Augustine expert, but this is one I have remembered over the years, and I will give it to you verbatim. Well, at least Cliff Perry, the way he wrote it in his notes. Augustine writes, a man flees from stones. In other words, a man runs away from stones, but woe to those whose heart of stone God flees. Think about that. We might run away from a stoning, but woe to the man whose heart is stone that God runs away from. Jesus is not in this box. It's empty. In fact, if someone wants it, needs to wrap something when you get home, you can take it here today. However, if you will place your faith in him, he will come and abide in your heart 
if you will just open the gift of love, of forgiveness, of redemption, of eternal life that he extends to anyone who will keep his word and follow him. Make this Christmas the greatest Christmas ever. Receive the gift of salvation. Stand with me, please, for a time of invitation. Lord, as we get ready now to sing a song together, this is an opportunity in our worship that if someone is here and who's never established a relationship with Jesus, they've never taken that gift, they've never opened it and said, I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. This is their opportunity to come. We'll, I'll be standing here in front of this pulpit area, and if they want to come and, and speak and pray, and we'll ask God, your son, to come into their life right now. Let that transformation begin in this moment, in this invitation time. Perhaps there are others who are here, and they have opened the gift, but they have played with other things. They have played the part of Christian. They have not practiced the part of being a Christian. They have not engaged like they should. Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that needs to come and, and ask for forgiveness or leave something at this altar, this is the opportunity that they would do that as well. We have members here, if there's something on their heart, we know we have members in our congregation that have had tough medical news. There are others I know that have lost someone this week, and we'll pray for them. And we, as a family of brothers and sisters in the faith, we'll grieve together, we'll rejoice together, we'll lift each other up in our difficult times. So whatever decision there is, I pray that your people would come right now, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.